Welcome to Cherryland Electric Cooperative's Co-op Energy Talk. I'm Rachel Johnson. I'm the Member Services and Communications Manager here at Cherryland. And I'm joined today by Tony Anderson, who's our General Manager and a regular on our podcast. Very good. Glad to be here. And we're glad to have you. And we're also very, very excited today because we have a special guest. Jim McInnes is the President and CEO of Crystal Mountain, a four-season resort located just southwest of Traverse City. Crystal is also one of Cherryland's largest members, so and a long-term member, so we're very excited to have Jim here. But in addition to that, Jim is a bit of an energy guru. He is a licensed professional engineer. He was a power engineer with the company that designed the Ludington Pump Storage Facility, and he is also uh, Governor Snyder's appointee as the chair of the Michigan Utility Consumer Participation Board. So we're very, very excited to have you here today, Jim. Well, thank you, Rachel. It's my pleasure. And the topic today that we wanted to kind of talk about is electric vehicles, or EVs, as they're commonly called. So, um, Jim, you've owned two EVs, I think, at this point, a Chevy Volt and most recently a Tesla. Why don't you tell us about what attracted you to EVs, and what what about those two particular models? Well, what attracted me to EVs is um, we have some challenges in the world, one of which is energy security. We're buying uh, a lot of oil from uh, the international markets, and a lot of the people that sell the oil are not um, excited about America. So I'm concerned about uh, energy security from that standpoint. Also, I always try, like you do at Cherryland here, I always try to reduce energy waste. It's a very big issue because we use a lot of energy, and there's a lot of energy that's wasted. And one of the beauties of electric vehicles is the well-to-wheel efficiency is nearly twice that of an internal combustion engine vehicle. So you can go nearly twice as far on the same amount of energy. And that's looking at the whole picture, you know, the whole when you take the oil out of the well to where there's traction on the ground. And then the third thing, being in the ski business, we're concerned about uh, global warming. And we've noticed over the years we've had to invest millions of dollars in capital equipment, snowmaking and pumps and things like that, and more energy, in order to be able to make snow uh, quicker and make more make snow more often because we have a lot of volatility in the atmosphere because of, uh, you know, warming atmosphere. It's just simple physics, really. Very good. What's your opinion of the drop in gasoline prices and how do, how is that affecting EV sales? I've, I've read where EV sales are going down or uh, stable at, at least leveled off because gas prices are dropping. Well, uh, the lower gas prices certainly don't help the market for EVs. Um, you know, I think that's a temporary phenomenon. I think you're going to see over time as uh, the rest of the world uh, tries to use more liquid fuels that, you know, more people want cars. And there are people changing from bicycles to sure. cars. And so with the many billions of people in the world who want to, you know, increase more mobility, I think there'll be a more pressure on the oil supply over time. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's exactly, it's a basic supply and demand equation. But in addition, it's not all that dissimilar from what we see with electric rates and areas where there's a um, greater buy-in to, for example, home solar or home PV. The higher the rate your electric utility is charging you, the quicker the return on the investment in 
solar panels, it's the, it's the exact same concept, obviously, except on the um, transportation side. Right. And at Crystal Mountain and you know, me personally, I try to look, I take a, a really long view. So I, I'm not interested so much in short-term movements in the you know, oil price. I really try to look at the science and, and understand what's going to happen over time, and, and I want to be ahead of the curve. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I, I have a question, Jim. The obviously, like the full electric vehicle, there's a, there are a lot of new and exciting things happening there. But what kind of t- what about just a hybrid? So there, we've we've had hybrids for a long time. There are certainly more hybrids out on the roads. Do you see those things as complementary? Is the hybrid cutting off the move to the full EV? When you say hybrid, are you talking about something like a Prius, for example? I am talking okay. about something exactly like a Prius. Well, I was a Prius owner, and it was a very very nice car, and I, you know, I wouldn't hesitate to buy another Prius. Um, certainly, you know, you get, you can get 50 miles per gallon with that with that type of a car, and you are reducing the consumption of energy, so that's a good thing. Uh, however, uh, I still I want to get off oil, and so the more that I can uh, use an electrified vehicle, and I know uh, I noticed that you have a Chevy Volt here, which mm-hmm. I'm glad to see. And the more, you know, most people, uh, probably 90% of people's travel uh, is less than 100 miles a day. And and a good, very good portion is less than 40 or 50 miles a day. Mm -hmm. So a Chevy Volt, if it goes, the new Chevy Volts, there's beautiful new cars, will go about 50 miles on electricity. And as a matter of fact, we've turned our, uh, we have a Chevy Volt at Crystal Mountain. That's now our security vehicle. And I, I asked the security guys, hey, how's this working out for you? And they said, it's great, but we never have to put gas in it. <laughs> yeah. And that, that comment about the short range is exactly why we we're trying out the Chevy Volt here. We're seven, eight miles from Traverse City. We go back and forth to Traverse City a lot. A lot. And when we use the Volt, we don't have to use gasoline. And then we do get a lot of questions about EVs. So it's nice to have one here and we'll get, gain some real world experience. Absolutely. And one of the things about a Chevy Volt is you can get full range. So if you have 50 miles uh, or let's say 40 miles of range uh, on on the battery, you can actually get a full 40 where for a, a full electric vehicles, you always have to leave a little bat, little juice in the tank, so to speak. Okay. And so you can't really use the full range of a, you know, just a fully electric vehicle. What, yeah, what is the range of your Tesla? Well, the Tesla range is, uh, it's rated at 270 miles. Okay. And, um, you know, that's pretty good. I mean, I've, I've gone, uh, well, probably the most I've gone on a single trip uh, or a single charge is about 235 miles. And I still had 50 miles left. I mean, it depends on how you drive it, too. You know, and if you drive it faster and, the wind, you know, there's wind resistance, there's elevation. There's a lot of things that affect the, the range. But 270 is a pretty good number, and, and that's pretty easy to attain. So it's not unlike a gas car, then. If, if you're stop-and-go traffic, you're going to use up more battery than if you're on the interstate? Well, actually, stop-and-go traffic doesn't use too much because okay. your engine's not running when you're stopped. Which that's, it is in a gas car. That's, that's interesting. Right. right. Yeah. So around town, it's very efficient because you can just, uh, and they have, the, the Tesla has what they call traffic-aware uh, cruise controls. So I was coming back from a, a trip to Chicago recently, and there was a traffic jam on the freeway, and I just pushed traffic-aware cruise control, and it started, you know, it would start up and slow down and keep up with the 
wow. traffic. Mm-hmm. That makes me kind of nervous when my car is smarter than I am, Joe. I'm not going to lie. Well, and and it doesn't take more energy to get going from a dead stop to a, a rolling start or 20 miles an hour? Well, I mean, I, I don't know that stop and go traffic in general is efficient, but to the extent that you're stopped, you're not running mm-hmm. the engine, so you save energy that way. Okay. So you talked about Chicago. Is that the furthest distance you've you've taken in any year? Uh, that's yes. That's the furthest distance. And I traveled down to there's a supercharger. What's called a supercharger, down at St. Joe, and I was able to drive from Crystal Mountain to St. Joe. And then I was there and uh, charged up for about a half hour or so, and then met everyone. I was meeting a group of other Tesla owners uh, at another supercharger south of Chicago, and, and then. We all got together and had dinner and what have you. So did you have to wait in line at the supercharger for your your group to get done? Well, good question. We had about 20 Teslas there. Uh, I was one of the early arrivals. And uh, actually, it's the superchargers that Tesla puts in have eight stalls. Okay. And they can charge at a rate of up to 345 miles of range per charging hour. Wow. And you never fully charge it. So when I got there, for example, I still had half my battery. Mm-hmm. So uh, because I had already charged it at the St. Joe supercharger. So most of the time, when I'm charging, I, I usually charge. Well, I charge all the time, you know, frequently, and that way you never really use all your battery. And the time that it would take to top off your car might be 20 minutes or half an hour. Just, yeah. just enough time to go in for a cup of and, coffee. And when you talk about the superchargers, you're talking about the Tesla network. They put a network in across the country, I understand, and those two sites were part of that network? Exactly. Actually, they have a worldwide network. They're okay. rolling out a network in China, no, Japan, I'm... Norway, the U.K., and Europe, and the U.S. I... The U.S. has over uh, 200 supercharging uh, stations or, you know, locations, Each of most of which I think are eight-stall superchargers. This is the one of the, th- the things that's really different about Tesla. Tesla, it's, uh, you know, the way the energy system works, it's a system. You know, you have power plants, you have the grid, you have controls. You know, when you look at our energy, our energy system, it is really a system, and you can't just take and separate a power plant out from the grid and, and that sort of thing. Well, with Tesla, it's a system. You have the car, that's a 100% battery-operated car, but then you have a charging network, and the two work hand-in-hand, and the charging network was designed specifically for the Tesla car, so it's a very powerful tool. So, for example, I could drive from here in Gron all the way to California uh, using the super, today using the supercharger system and pay $0 for electricity. Well, that was going to be my next question. So then who... So, we, you know, you pull up and one of one of the eight stalls is available. You plug in, and who pays for that electricity? Where's that coming from? Well, Tesla has installed it, – it, it's uh, – well, for superchargers, I think the way that it works is Tesla installs a supercharger and pays for the electricity. Mm-hmm. So now we all pay extra for it when we buy the car. So, you know, you're buying the supercharger capability. But, of course, most of my driving is uh, around northern Michigan, so I – I don't use superchargers very often, and they're not really meant to be used real often. They're meant to be used more for long trips. Now, Crystal Mountain is a what's called a Tesla destination charging partner. 
So uh, we're working in concert with Tesla. They supplied the chargers. We have what are called high-power wall connectors. They're about 20 kW in capacity, as opposed to a supercharger, which is about 120 kW. So they will, uh, like I can put two hour, two, 120 miles on my car, 120 miles of range in two hours, because I have dual chargers in my car. So in that particular case, we pay for the electricity, although we could charge people. At this point, we just let them come and use it. We have five charging stations in all. So Tesla supplied three charging stations for us uh, and paid more or less to put them in. We had to, had to put some money into it. And then uh, we've just been paying for the electricity, and it doesn't cost that much, really, to, to top up a Tesla. I've heard that's because you have a great electric cooperative. We have serving. a great cooperative <laughs> with good rates that's <laughs> keeping the rates down. Yeah. And yeah, that's all true. That, that Shameless plug. Yeah, that no, concludes I'll, the will, commercial plug for I will this second episode. That. It's, yeah. tr it's true. <laughs> well, we thank you for that. So what would you say the average cost per mile is to operate an EV, either the Volt, the Tesla, or both? I would say less than $0.03 cents a mile. Wow. And one of the reasons, uh, that's for fuel, but mm -hmm. one of the reasons it's a lot of people are not uh, aware of, or one of the things people aren't aware of, is the fact that an electric vehicle has very few parts, moving parts. So, you know, you don't go to the, you don't have to go to the uh, repair shop and spend $2,000 fixing your whatever it is. Uh, in terms of the, the actual moving parts, there are hundreds of moving parts in an internal combustion engine, sure. and there's probably a handful of moving parts in an electric vehicle. So mm -hmm. it's much simpler, although there's a lot more electronics, of course. Mm -hmm. With that big of a range in a Tesla, you probably don't have to use local charging stations a lot, but what do you know about the local availability of charging stations? Well, um, I do use them some. Uh, for example, in Traverse City at the 8th Street Garage, if I'm going in for dinner or for a meeting, I'll usually park there, and uh, I have a charge point card, and I'll get a charge uh, it, uh, with a level 2 charger, which will give you a range of about uh, 22 to 23 miles per charging hour. So if I'm there for two hours, I can pick up 46 miles. Uh, there are other places that have these Tesla high-power wall connectors, uh, one of which is uh, Lock and Heath Golf Course. They have two of them. And then Black Star Farms has one. And then uh, the Perry Hotel in um, Petoskey has one. And, and you're going to see more and more coming in because Tesla is really rolling these things out. And their goal, Musk, Elon Musk's stated goal, is to have 10 times as many destination chargers as there are superchargers. And in Michigan, they're planning to have... Uh, up to, by the end of next year, up to 10 supercharging stations. For example, right now there's one in St. Joe. There was a newly opened one in Grand Rapids. There's a newly opened one in Ann Arbor. And they just got the permit to put one in Cadillac. Okay. So that's all happening. I mean, the, Cadillac is the next one in line, for, and it'll happen probably in the next couple of months. Do we know where it's going to be at in Cadillac? It's going to be at the Meyer okay. stores. They have a relationship with Meyer. Well, they could put one at the new Meyer out on the east side of town, and then we could have one in Traverse City too, right? I'm sure they'll put one up here, but, you know, there's, they have a lot of people wanting them sure. to put them in. So. so do we know how many Tesla drivers there are in Michigan or all electric cars in Michigan? Is there some place we can look that number up? To see Boy, I don't know. I think there are certainly more than 50. I think we've got five or six or seven in the Traverse City area. Really? That's more than I would have guessed. Yeah. 
So it's I don't know, but uh, you know that may be available somewhere. How long do your batteries last before they'll need to be replaced? Good question. Batteries do degrade, and and that's something you know up front. Uh, the tes- there is a Tesla website, and you know there's a lot of chat about batteries and all kinds of topics sure. related to Tesla, and you can hear, oh, I've got 80,000 miles at my car, and I've lost 2% on the battery, that sort of thing. I think, first of all, the, the, the battery and the drivetrain uh, and the inverter is warrantied for eight years unlimited mileage. So if you have a problem, you know, Tesla will take care of it in their warranty. Now, as a practical matter, um, I, I don't think, I mean, it, it depends on, on how you use your vehicle. Two, the battery has a, I call it a happy zone between about 25 and 50% charge. So what I tend to do is I, most of the time around here, I just charge up to 50%, and, but I charge frequently. I charge every day at work. So if I'm going to make a trip as I did on Monday to Lansing, uh, I will do what they call a range charge, which will give me the full range. And then, um, you know, that puts a little more strain on the battery. But uh, the, what I'm hearing is uh, after 100,000 miles, you could, you know, maybe lose about 5 or perhaps even 10% of the uh, battery capacity. But, you know, Elon Musk has come up with a, a, a way of swapping out batteries, too. He's not yet mm-hmm. doing it on a wholesale basis, but... But he has actually, he had a demonstration where you could swap out a battery in a minute and a half. Really? It's pretty amazing. Yeah. Well, that wouldn't be so bad to have to do every 100,000 miles or <laughs> no. so, right? Yeah. Are these lithium-ion batteries, or what happens to the battery when it is used up? Are they recycled? or? That's a, that's a good question. And I attended a transportation electrification conference earlier this year put on through the IEEE, which is Electrical Engineers Professional Society, and we talked about that. First thing they do is, you know, they'll, they'll go in, they'll try to reuse the batteries. They'll go in and, and kind of cherry pick the batteries, the ones that are the best ones, that are in the best shape. And they could use those for uh, inexpensive energy storage, for example. Otherwise, if a battery has really achieved its totally useful life, you know, it can be recycled. And, and actually, if you go, if you were to type in Tesla batteries and recycling in your Google page, you could... Tesla has quite a uh, story about the whole recycling process sure. and how they handle it. That's great. So one of the um, kind of, and I will start by saying I admit this is hypothetical at this point, but one of the interesting potentials with EVs is that the greater the adoption and then plugging them into the grid and what is going to be the interplay between the EV and the grid. Um, can we? Can you talk a little bit about how that might work and some of the potential for it? And, and with the caveat that like a utility like Cherryland we peak at night, sometime between 5 and 8 p.m., which would also be the same time people were plugging into the grid. Well, that's a good question. Actually, I think uh, transitioning to electric vehicles is going to be really good for uh, the electric system, uh, the grid and the power plants, because you're going to reduce the demand between you know, the, the peaks and the troughs. You know, Typically, utilities have troughs in the middle of the night. I'll tell you how, what I do. I can, and I think you can do this in the Volt too, at least we can in my Volt, is you can actually set the time you want to charge. Oh, that's cool. So you plug it in and you say, don't charge yet, right. charge at, you know, whatever, 1 a.m., but right. it's plugged in. I don't have to get up at 1 a.m. and go do it. Right. Yeah. For example, I typically will charge, if I'm going to do a range charge and go to Lansing, 
I will typically set my, I'll charge at home, and I'll set my charger to come on at about 5 a.m. Oh, wow. And so I, I will then top the battery off, because I don't like to leave the battery in a topped-off condition for a day or two. I mean, you can do it. I've done it. But, you know, it's good if you top it off, and then within the next couple of hours, go ahead and start to, you know, use it. So I usually, I usually charge at 5 a.m. And I'm on uh, Consumers Energy at home, and they have an EV time of day rate uh, that's all in cost of about nine cents a kilowatt mm-hmm. hour, which is a good deal. And do they separately meter that? Separately meter. So, well, I so have it's like one a meter. time of use, right? Yeah, it's a time of use rate. One meter on your house. One meter on my house. But how do they, how do they know when you're charging the car? I, I guess. Well, I don't know. How do they give you that special rate without a second meter? Well, I think it's just really the time they must know how many kilowatt hours you use okay. in any time segment. They have it divided up into various time segments. The, on the weekends, I get the nine cent rate all weekend, mm-hmm. and then I get it. Um, quite a bit in, in the uh, winter too so mm-hmm. it's really nice for winter just for everything and then during the day I'm uh, I think it's 15 cents until the peak time and I pay 22 cents okay. but so I try to shut everything off when I'm and paying that, 22. And that's unique to that's, you having an EV so you you told them I have an EV and they said we're going to place you onto this particular rate structure. Yes they offered the EV Got rate it. structure but the, if you go onto their internet it, you can see the EV rate structure, mm-hmm. but if you ask for time of use metering, it's not available. Oh, that's interesting. Really, yeah, that is interesting because they must, when you're on peak and paying that 22 cents, any energy you use in your house, you're paying 22 cents for. Absolutely. So it's really a, time, a whole house time of use rate right. that they're giving to just EV owners. Right. That's an interesting concept because we could do that here. We, we've thought about it, but haven't pulled the trigger on that yet, but... I think time of use metering and uh, encouraging customers to uh, stay away from the peaks is a is a real uh, opportunity to save money on having to build new power plants. Yeah, it's our next level, and as the Obama's clean energy plan plays out, we need to see what type of credit is available in that plan, and you'll probably see us go to a time of use rate at some point. And I think one of the things that maybe not every listener might be aware of but essentially right now the utility itself is on a time of use type of rate structure in terms of our wholesale power costs so we're paying more to buy power at certain times and to move Mm -hmm. it around at certain times depending on congestion but we have traditionally absorbed that into a flat rate structure for our membership so there are times when we're charging them a little less than it's costing us to give them power and there are times when we're charging them a little more but it gives them a flat rate what this is is really shifting that structure so that the end users rates are more reflective of the way the market's rates are set up. Yeah, and we're also in the first year of a, of a new rate structure where we're billed for our monthly demand, and then we're also billed for our annual demand, and it's 50% apiece. So 50% of our demand charges are set on one hour out of the year, and so we're trying mm-hmm. to learn how we can facilitate our time of use rates into that structure too. And, and the we in that sentence is Cherryland being billed by Wolverine for yes. our, our power supply. Yeah. 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 Well, I think very, that's very interesting. That's a really smart move, and I think one of the challenges going forward is. And I used to I used to develop power plants, and I was a power plant engineer, and I've done a lot of cost estimating for power plants. And they, because of the diminishing returns on uh, energy, it, it costs more and more to build stuff. And I even see it when I build a chairlift. You know, it, it costs me a lot more to build a chairlift today than it did 
10 or 20 years ago. And that's so the same for power plants. Mm -hmm. So to the extent that we want to try to keep the rates down, because, you know, high energy prices are like a tax. And to the extent that we have to pay high prices for electricity, we can't uh, invest in our own plant and equipment. We can't create jobs in our businesses. So there's a big incentive uh, to keep the, the costs down. And a very good way to do that is to not build power plants and not build transmission lines. And, you know, I'm all for it where it's needed, mm-hmm. but to the extent that you can cut that peak and have the, the customer kind of, man, you know, work with you, be your partner mm-hmm. to help cut that peak, that's going to save everybody uh, money. Yeah, and that's a whole other segment we could do at Crystal Mountain because you're a great success story in controlling your peak and doing some creative stuff with your snowmaking to, to save energy. It's interesting, too, because when you were talking a little bit about how depend the, the – the way your EV, its efficiency is based on how it drives, or on how you drive it. Um, that same thing is true of electricity. The extent to which people become aware of things, they will make behavioral modifications that then can help have a, a, a real impact on the amount of electricity we're using as a, you know, as, an, as a utility or as a society. So it's interesting to think about. You recently had a, a small electric car show at Crystal Mountain. You had, I think, five or six electric cars there. We actually had eight. Eight, okay. <laughs> I wish we had more. Yeah, I, I stopped real quick to take a peek. But uh, what are you seeing as far as the ownership goes? So what's the age demographic? Last what? question here. We're getting to well, high five. Well, I, th- I think for uh, – I think there are a lot of people – the young people just really want them. You know, I see a lot of young millennials. It's like, oh, man, I'm getting one of those as soon as the price comes down. That's the issue, really, the price. Mm-hmm. And as you know, you know, uh, cell phones used to be really expensive. Wind, you know, wind power used to be really expensive. Technology, working down the uh, technology production cost curve is so powerful. And that's, that's happening with batteries. The mm-hmm. price of fossil fuels over time is going to go up. The price of technology is going to go down. There's going to be a crossover point. And, and so... Uh, the numbers are going to really work. Now, the older, let's say, more mature people, maybe who have a little bit more disposable income, they can afford a nicer, a nicer car. Uh, but I think, I think it's really the young, the millennials, uh, are, who are going to really drive this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Great. Well, thank you, Jim, for joining us. This was super interesting and informative. And on behalf of the millennials, I, I will just say it's just really fascinating to talk to someone who has an EV because there is a sense that in some ways it's a mystery to those of us who don't. What is it like and what would it be like to drive one? So it's really cool to hear about it. Um, so now we're going to do co-op and or other fun facts real quick. Tony. Um, in light of the, what's going on in the stock market this week, the ups and downs, if you go back to the recession of 2008 and look at the capital credits that Cherryland has retired, they total $15.8 million in the last seven years of our members' money that we've given back to them and stimulated the economy. That's awesome. That's great. And we've been a recipient of some of those. Thank yep. you. You have. Jim, is there anything you want to tell us? Well, most people think in the, in the resort business that the golf business is the, be- the best business for us. But really, it's the ski business. That's what I like L- to hear. Not a lot of people know that. That's awesome. Little thing, everybody, the more you know, right? <laughs> so mine is somewhat transportation themed. During the recent August storm, our, a lot of our employees wear Fitbits. And during the recent August storm, our employee Fitbits logged 1,572 miles in four days. That is the distance from Traverse City to Fort Lauderdale. Wow. <laughs> wow. Very interesting. There you go. Thanks, guys. Oh, thank, thank you. you. Thanks for being here, Jim. Okay, my pleasure.